This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. The Specialty Produce app is the world's number one handheld resource on produce. The app features photographs, recipes, geography and history, taste and culinary applications on over 1,900 produce items. From apples to zapote, we've got your produce questions answered. Our app is available for both iPhone and Android. Download our app for free today. Yo, 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 yo. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Sober Life Audio Experience. This is your co-host, Brian Amaro. What's up, bro? Hey, Romy Rome. How you doing? I'm doing swell. Yeah? So well. Did you have some breakfast today? I did. Good. I Look ate my you. Wheaties. Look at you, I man. went to the gym this morning, too. Damn. Check yeah. you out. Got a run in? I got it. Yeah, I got to work, did got- some... You got some stuff. You got a new hairdo too, don't you? Yeah, I got these braids. You guys can see it tuning in live or watching the replay. You see these beautiful braids. Yeah, I know you guys are jealous. It's okay. Peep, peep it out. Well, we've got a we've got a returning <laughs> guest with us today. Is this our first returning guest? Uh, I think it's our second. Is it? Yeah, oh. Marty. Uh, is, is this true. a condition of your parole or something to happen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're blessed. Don't make it sound so sad. I'm no, those, here. those that are returning are very special to us. Mm-hmm. So I hope you feel special. Well, that you're not saying that the three other guests you had scheduled today all took took a big plane ride. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, let's. Yeah, we knew you, you were around the corner and wanted to talk about something important, so we right. You in. Well, you are a man on a mission, man, and so just like you, just like you. So it's good to have you on to talk about what you're doing because you know some of our guests are out there in the world creating and doing things, but yeah. I'm not sure that anyone is doing as much as you are on a regular basis. That's because I'm older than most of them. This is true. That, that makes it true. easy. Yeah. yeah but also, you know, it, it's good to get updates because what you were doing last time, you're not doing any, like you may still be doing, but now you're doing other new, incredible things. Or taking it further. Well, yeah, I think the idea is just to, to help spread the word. You know, what do yeah. we do with this stigma? What do we do to help families get their loved ones access to treatment? How do we, how do we talk about this disease in a way that, you know, it's as much fun as if you will, adopting a stray pet, you know, <laughs> if that's possible, you know, just in the, just in the paper today, uh, at San Diego state university, they had their third outbreak of spinal meningitis. And, oh, you know, shit. my wife actually suffered from that when she was at college and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's very, very it's a serious, deadly. Wow. Serious, any, yeah. any type of meningitis real and quick. The, well, but real let me, quick, let me, let me finish my point though. Hang on a sec. You can, but I wanted to say, but what, what happened was the newspaper said that the, the County called it an outbreak. Huh. So the third situation, they call it an outbreak. And I just, you know, we're going to talk a little about today that we, we have more than an outbreak here. We have a pandemic. Go ahead. You can do Yeah, it's me. not an outbreak, right? There's a difference. No. What Those what? tuning in, though, uh, that may not have saw his last episode. This is the infamous, the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Scott Silverman in the house. Scott, uh, just a recap. What? Who are you and what do you do? Well, Who are you? I'm, I'm different than you guys. You're older. Well, you have more hair than I do. I, and I, oh, I am much, much older. No, I'm a native San Diegan. I've uh, been married a long time, have a couple kids. And I'm in the people helping people business like you guys. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I want to just do everything I can to be a resource for families and to help people navigate this system to get help. It's yeah. really hard around substance abuse and addiction. Yeah. The system. Right. What do you mean by system? For example, 
a parent will say in a family conversation, talking to somebody, you know, our, our child has got this issue. They're not sleeping. Um, their behavior is really shifting. We don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not like a toothache. You go to a dentist, mm. you, know, you know, mom, I can't see the menu at the restaurant. Yeah. We go see an eye doctor. Right. When it comes to this disease of addiction, at the end of the day, people don't know what to do. So that's what I mean. Right. Navigate the system is what does this individual need the most and who can help them, you know, uh, assess what they need to do because when it comes to a broken arm you go to the er right you know if you have diabetes you go to the doctor the doctor diagnoses you and says you know we've done the test you have diabetes we're going to have to check your blood sugar level every day and you're going to have to take insulin and we have a we have a solution for that we have a portal for that when it comes to addiction it's like well why don't you just stop drinking you won't have a drinking problem or maybe Mm. if you didn't do all that methamphetamine you might sleep better or you know if you didn't take that fentanyl and you wouldn't have overdosing going on in your lifestyle with your colleagues and friends and fellow (laughs) fellow students so if only yeah so this maladaptive behavior we tend to treat differently than anything else Mm -hmm. on the planet well let me ask you this what is the give us a breakdown of what happens say a family is experiencing with a loved one uh some of these addictive behaviors and there's consequences and problems developing because of it right where do they go if not the er if not the optometrist or the dentist where where do they go right and you know it's it's rare that a family will go, oh, look, Junior has some addictive, compulsive, <laughs> right. obsessive behaviors. Right. There are things that go on, uh, you know, schools, studies, relationships change, behavioral changes, uh, increase of appetite, decrease of appetite, mm-hmm. medical issues, you know, and all kinds of different things you can see. You don't know what it is. And, sure. you know, maybe you encourage yeah. your loved one to get to the doctor. Some defiance, make, oh, some well, behavior issues. We haven't even gotten into the behavioral side yeah. of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Attitudinally, you know, hey, mom, shut up. You know, leave yeah. me alone. Well, yeah. I just want to say good morning. I don't care. I had yeah. a rough night. What do you mean rough night? We haven't seen you in three days. Exactly. Yeah. So when you get that kind of yeah. attitude, what do you do with that? I mean, who do you who do you call? Yeah. And you know, one of the things they do, they can call me. I'm a crisis coach. You know, they call you guys. You yeah. you know, you're in this business, and mm-hmm. I call it a business of helping people formally. And then the clinical the clinical experts do the intake. They do the assessment, right. and, and from that evaluation, it's determined what the highest and best level of care is. Why is that not happening, Scott? That's a great question. You know. In our community, roughly 15% of our community has an addiction uh, substance abuse issue that's going to erupt over the next 12 months. Mm -hmm. So in San Diego, if you take the 3.3 million people and you take 15% of that, you know, it's getting close to a half a million folks. Mm -hmm. And according to the science, uh, 10% of those will seek help. Yeah. So there's 50,000 people over the next 12 months, if you start from today and go forward, that more than likely will go in and seek help. Well, I think it's actually 10% have the means and ability, right? Well, if is you, that, is if that... you, well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't see that as a barrier. What I see more of a barrier is a willingness. Mm. And what I've also experienced is of those 10%, nine and a half out of 10 of them, they don't make the phone call. Yeah, True. it's a family member, True. it's a coworker, it's a significant other, it's, it's a, a police officer. Yeah, you know, a, a nudge from the judge, uh, right. handcuffed in the ER, and it's finally clear to you, hey, I might have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but but I don't think you know, and, and just this year in our community, you know, drug medical went from fifty to one hundred eighty million. Yep. Yeah, that means there's a lot more resources out there that we've not had before. True, uh, there's a ton of anonymous types of meetings out there beginning that, to be implemented. Be, well, and yeah. and and the idea though is there's options and to do nothing is not an option right. but but for some people 
doing nothing is that option. Yeah. Well, why is that? Is that because there is a lack of information out there? Is it because people just don't know what to do, so they do nothing? Or is it because um, the options available seem too difficult or not worth it? Well, what of, leads to of that? all those questions, I, you know, some of those are excuses and some of those are barriers. But I think the stigma, first of all, yeah. ad- admitting, admitting that you have an issue, especially when you say, well, I'm dependent on this particular drug or this alcohol. The stigma. This, you, know, you know, and I don't even know if you have if the definition of stigma really is. All I know is it's an uncomfortable. Yeah, look it up, please. So we can get that out to your viewers. But I, I know at the end of the day, when we talk about why aren't you seeking help as a family? First of all, the family may not know there's an issue. Yeah. They, or they might not be able to put that issue into a box and understand well, it. Well, it's disguised often, sure. right? It doesn't, it doesn't, you just don't, oh, this is clearly meth addiction. Correct. It's like anger. It's right? not like a toothache. Like a, exactly. Yeah. It's not like you a go uh, sty on your eye. It's not like an ingrown toenail. <laughs> you know, we kind of know what that is. But when, right. you know, yeah. when Junior uh, is just yelling and screaming, I mean, I just recently sat with a family and listening to the, the child talk to the parent in a way that it was so degrading and so harmful and so mean. But this individual is suffering from an illness. And when, right. when they left the room, I explained to the parents, look, you can't afford to be held hostage anymore. Oh, no. This personality is toxic and he's Correct. sick and he needs help. And how can we do that? What yeah. would that look like for you as parents? And what are you willing to do? And I said, how long has this been going on? They said, almost eight years. And this is someone yeah. young in their 20s. So yeah. the parents' lives have stopped. You know, and speaking of that, just last year, I think it was 60 Minutes did a piece and said 1.5 million grandparents became parents because their children died from overdosing. Mm. So- when you think about that and you extrapolate over the next couple of years and our trajectory, if we don't do something about this, you know, just last year, more people died from opioid overdosing than died in the Vietnam War. Yeah. I made that presentation the other day and someone said, well, you know, we're, we're kind of young. We don't know what that number looks like. You know, can you give us a number? I said, it's 72,000 people yeah. just mm-hmm. last year in America. Yeah. Well, and in going there and talking about, like, I think we talk a lot about opioids and the opioid epidemic mm-hmm. and, and pandemic and, like, opioid, opioid, opioid and, and what Trump's got to say in, in our government. And at the other end of the spectrum, there's this stigma. And, and I looked it up, and stigma actually means a mark of disgrace or infamy, a stain or reproach as on one's reputation. And there's all yeah. this talk and discussion about doing stuff for addicts, about treatment, about prevention, about helping. And then yet Just there's no. all of this counter counter transferences I've heard or all this like kind of like, oh, well, these are a stained people. You know, like why, why like, we can't well, do anything the, for them. Part of the stigma is that addicts are broken, right? Mm-hmm. Or they need to be fixed. Right. Yeah. Or or they're ill. Mm. And they make the decision to stay ill or be ill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I, I, I can choice. remember growing up, you know, and we're watching this right now in D.C. Uh, about blackouts and versus, you know, uh, somebody who just passes out. <laughs> and 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 to me, there's a difference. Uh, I know when I blacked out and I woke up the next day, and my wife would say, you know, here's a list. Mm-hmm. What is this? These are the people you need to call and apologize to mm. about what you did last night. And I could not. You know, and then I was in my 20s. I could not recall anything that took place. And right. To me, that's a blackout. Passing out, you drink too much, you wake up and you go, oh, my God, I have a really bad headache. 
and I feel crappy. But you and, remember it. Well, you remember. And, yeah. I, and I think yeah. it's interesting. We're having this conversation uh, right now with a, with a superior court judge, and I'm not taking a political position, simply saying, you know, when you hear the description of, of, of what was going on, and yeah. then you listen to the president yeah. yesterday joking about, it was only one beer. You know, mm-hmm. I think we're approaching this the wrong way, to your point. I think we're talking about it in a way that um, makes it, it, it comes from judgment almost, right? Like well, look, a judgment, a negative connotation. Well, I think at its basis is fear, right? Mm. Like most of the population fear things they don't know. Yeah. Right? And addiction is something that largely it's we don't know. And misunderstood. It's misunderstood and we don't know. And quite frankly, we don't try to know. It's it's just it's taboo. Right. It's we well, we know it's there. Better. It's we know it's there, but like let's not talk about it and like let's just turn the other way until it happens in my family, and then it's like oh shit, right. like now it's time to do something. Or you but, turn, or you turn away and you get hit in the back of the head with a brick, well, right? <laughs> Flying through the front window from the person who just you right. know, was upset because you asked them to leave because you thought what they were doing was inappropriate, and they're well, like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, then we get into that point of like, hey, it's happening in my family. Well, what do I do about it? Right. And then there's that whole like rabbit hole of like, I don't know even where to begin. Well, and then, you know, because you already had this stigma towards addiction and this uh, preconceived idea of what it was and it being negative now because it's happening to your family, there's like guilt and shame. Sure. Right. Oh, shame. Oh, this is happening to my family. Why is this happening to me? Like we're upper middle class white suburbia. We raised him better than this. Why is he doing this? Oh, what are the neighbors going to think? What are the mm. soccer coaches and teachers going to think? Mm. Right? I'm going to go to the grocery store. What are my peers going to think? Right. And it's like this negative, like you said, stain. And it's mm. not that at all. It, it's so crazy to think that on the same scale of, say, cancer, right? Yep. You, don't, you, you don't choose to get cancer. Well, I mean, in some cases, your lifestyle decisions might... But and largely, you don't just, oh, I'm, I'm going to go for cancer, and yeah. then you get it. But somebody that has cancer, what do people? how do people react to, towards that? Oh, they do anything they can for them. Yeah, they're sure. sympathetic. They feel sorry. They want to help and support. They're loving, kind, caring. But then addiction, which you don't choose, right? Mm-hmm. Nope. There, there's tons of reasons out there, theories, as to where it comes from yeah. but i've never met anybody and i've been around a long time as you both have clearly individually <laughs> yeah. as a group pointed out i've never met anybody who said you know today scott i'm gonna wake up and i'm gonna put more poison in my body than i did yesterday and i'm looking forward to see how i yeah. feel in a couple hours yeah you know yeah. it's not really a conscious decision but it's once not. once you get on that train it sometimes is. stopping it is almost it, it, it's physically impossible to do on your own yeah. And when it comes to talking about it, you know, taboo, the stigma, yeah. and then the shame, it's a great one. And then what's fascinating about the world of treatment that I've learned being in it, actually only a short time. I've been in recovery a long time, but and the formal treatment world is yeah. once you really remove the anesthesia, you know, you take away the, the mood-altering substances yeah. and you start to look at what's really – when you peel back the onion yeah. and you start to really experience what's going on with the lack of – the ability to feel feelings, yeah. what goes on behaviorally. That's where the real journey, in my yeah. opinion, oh, yeah. of recovery starts. And it's it's not that hard to stop, but staying stopped is hard. 
Right. That's the way I like to look at it. You know, look, I got to tell you, I, I go to my regular home group. I've been a couple right. of weeks and I get criticized in a week. <laughs> yeah, and, shame you. And I stand up, you know, or I'm sitting down. And when I introduce myself and I introduce myself, you know, hi, my name's Scott. I'm an addict alcoholic. And, and when you think about that, it, in some ways, there are some studies around that that I'm actually reinforcing some of that negative, negative stigma. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm you know telling myself that you know I, I kind of screwed things up in the past, mm. and it's been decades for me. But I, you know, so for me, I'm trying to find ways. You know, the fact, look, the fact that we're sitting here talking about yeah. this, you know, in the middle of the week in our community right. in San Diego, and being right. able to let people know that there is, there is hope and there is help. You know, and I'm going to throw my phone number out. If that's okay. Do it. That if, you know, asked the question earlier. If someone doesn't know what to do, don't do nothing. Call me six one nine. Nine nine three, two seven three eight six one nine, nine nine three two seven three eight. Let's put that up on the screen for those. And and just if you don't want to call me, text me. And if you don't want to text me, you don't want to call me. You know, give me an instant message on Facebook. Go to Instagram if you have to. It's hard for me to get that app. It's somewhere in the last layer of my phone, but I know it's there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Or or go on to my website, yourcrisiscoach.com, yeah. and email me, and we'll find a way. I mean, yeah. I, I do this as a business, but if you know, we take five or 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I'm happy to help you navigate. Yeah. And if you're not sure what to do, if you don't ask for help, in many ways, all you're doing is enabling the process. Perfect. Awesome. We got it up on the screen for those tuned in on Facebook. Please hit him up. And I just want to backtrack for a second. Going back to that fear and the way that with cancer versus addiction. Yeah, I want to talk is about that. With cancer, we're all loving, kind, caring, their supportive addiction. It's almost like you don't want to touch it. How gross. Yeah. Uh, look at him. Shame, guilt. Poo-poo. Um, you should be locked up. You're a criminal. You're a degenerate. There's something yeah. wrong with you. And, and it's that's crazy. that's what they've called me. Yeah. And, that, and that creates this cycle of negativity right Right, it just it just endorses it and it continues to grow to the point where we are today where we have an epidemic in this country and people are starting to open their eyes and be like it's an epidemic yeah but still there's a stigma and still there's this negative connotation to where oh yeah it exists uh, and i'll admit that but still i don't really want anything to do with it well and i want to piggyback on that is you start to look at some some of the symptomology of addiction versus cancer and i feel like some of that stigma comes from the attitudinal and behaviors that many addicts display whether it's the stealing the defiance of course. the violence of course. The, the chaos the clutter the the, the nasty you mean the culture around and the behavior around the, you know, the drug and the addiction itself. Yeah, and, and to kind of play the devil's advocate here is like I, I get that with the people that don't want to touch it. But what I want to get into is a solution. And yeah. the solution, it's never about giving. That's the question. It's when and how. And Scott, I'd like to hear some of your thoughts about when and how to give to someone who's displaying the symptomology that an addict has. Because with cancer, we get it. There's the the weight loss, the nausea, the vomiting. Maybe it's the balance. Wherever the tumor is, is that's where a lot of times the symptomology is going to come from. Right. And we're able to treat that, you know, the best we can with medical science. And some of the symptoms with addicts and alcoholics vary. And I think if we're able to kind of teach people, show people, hey, this is what's coming up, and then this is when, and then this is also how you give. 
I want to say avoid some of the enabling type behaviors. I want to well. say it's also it's not just addiction. I want to make this clear too. The stigma uh, bleeds into all mental illness. Absolutely. I think mm. it's the same. It's not just addiction. I mean, schizophrenia, which is a severe mental illness, people are disgusted by it. It's some of the stories I've heard about family members, parents mm-hmm. of children who develop schizophrenia and have to be put into an institution for the rest of their lives. Just some of the stories of how they reacted and responded, it, it's disgusting. No, it, and when you think about, you know, the, once you get the veil of addiction, you know, I call addiction the anesthesia removed, most people have other mental health issues, whether yeah, it's depression, yeah. anxiety, uh, relationship problems, they're victims PTSD. of, you know, domestic violence. The, yeah. And then we look at trauma as uh. one of the underlying uh pools that most people unfortunately have to had to swim in whether it's directed at them or they're married to somebody who has another type of issue and they are unable to process their own uh issues because of what's going on around them. or they were a third party child that witnessed exactly you know and right. one, one of the statistics that that i find fascinating is we talked about the 15 percent of the population mm-hmm. and then 10 percent that seeks help but according to science the 15 percent of the individuals who suffer from the addiction or will have some sort of, you know, flare up, if you will, they will impact seven people every day, daily, every day, negatively, every single day. So if Mm. you take 15% that have the issue and seven people they're going to impact daily, that's 85% of our community. So to, to to your question about how do we help, how do we identify, most parents know something's going on with their child. And, you know, whether it's a direct uh, issue around mental health, whether right. it's uh, ag- agitated or aggravated or inflamed or amplified by substance abuse, either way, it's got to be treated. And and one thing Absolutely. I've learned is families cannot love their child to wellness without the right tools in place. No. And nobody gets in their toolbox of life. One day you might have a child who's addicted to something mood-altering Here's a box. Open this. Yeah, well, so you've got to you've got to get on the phone. You've got to go online. You've got to ask your family physician. You've got to ask your you know faith. Well, families a often aren't equipped. Like they shouldn't be the ones anyway. No, I'm talking. Right? Oh, I'm talking yeah. outside your family. Okay, a yeah. medical professional, yeah. a faith based leader, and sometimes you may be surprised. You call your sibling up and you go, "You remember years ago you told me that junior." was going through some stuff. Oh my God, I'm so glad you asked. We found stuff in in their room and we had no idea Uh, what was going on and here's what we did. So mm. most families, if you look at the statistics, are impacted by this one way or another or know someone. And now what we're experiencing, you know, with this breakout of fentanyl is, you know, people aren't even going to ER to overdose anymore. They're going right to the morgue. It's so powerful and so potent. And when you hear about these young people in their teens overdosing at parties because somebody mixed something with their K2 or, you know, they actually... Their marijuana. I heard the other day that somebody died smoking marijuana that was laced with fentanyl. Exactly. Or heroin. Yeah. It's just, you know, today's age, this... And here's something that, you know, Brian and I preach a lot. It's something that we believe to our innermost is that addicts and alcoholics are continuing to evolve, right? Just like everything, every humans, animals, just nature continues to evolve over time. So has addiction and alcoholism, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Therefore, the treatment of addiction and alcoholism, substance abuse, mental health, 
needs to continue to evolve, mm-hmm. right? And in a large part, it hasn't. Well, just keep in mind, though, to me, just make sure you're aware of this statistic. Only 95% of the treatment fails. <laughs> so to your point. Can you say that again? I, I, well, I'll tell you, $40, $40 billion it was spent last year in our country to provide services. And of the $40 billion, the average person who went to a 28-day stay inpatient program uh, in, in inpatient residential treatment program and did nothing else afterwards, according to the studies over the last couple of decades, including last year's updates, 95% of them relapsed, mm. 95%. So clearly what we're That's currently ridiculous. providing in the average treatment modality, if it's being guided by what our insurance company is going to pay for, clearly we know it's not working. So to your point, and we believe at Confidential Recovery – one size does not fit all, which means when you come in and you know, look, I, I'm a Jewish guy, last name Silverman, you can figure that out. And when I went into treatment, my <laughs> rabbi came and visited me and told me, you know, Scott, Jewish people do not have drinking problems. I'm right. Like, Hello, wristband, alarms on doors, yeah. people with, you know, weird <laughs> suits at the doorways. And I learned, you know, there's certain things I have to do in recovery that no one enlightened me to because I didn't think I had a problem. Right. And the stigma was such that I had to talk to others who had been through it. So the social model, no doubt. in my opinion, working with others, talking to other people, and, you know, look, you and I sit here, we look different. I wear glasses. I'm older. Yeah. I, I can't do what you do with your hair mm-hmm. or you with yours. <laughs> I can't even do what <laughs> I do with beautiful. my hair. <laughs> but we have a common bond in our recovery, yeah. and that is I, I want to live today. I've made a yes. decision. I'd like to live today. I want to live a balanced, happy, joyous, and free life, and I want to be able to help others. Yeah. Yeah. And in order to do that, there's certain things I'm going to have to do daily, weekly, monthly, daily. check in, work with others, volunteer. It's like a prerequisite. And, yeah. And just yeah. and it's, you know what? But if you think about it, if you and, and the two of, three of us, yeah. you, know, you two and myself, let's say we were triathletes. And most triathletes I've met are working out seven, eight hours a day, seven days oh, a week. getting it. You yeah. know, and you think about that when someone says to me, well, I don't really have time for recovery. I don't have time to be involved with those people. I said, wait Crazy. a minute. You were sitting here. You just told me you spent 18 grand on a DUI attorney. You just crashed your third car this year. You have a morals clause yeah. at work. You're going to lose your job, your life, your wife, your family. And really, you don't have time for this? Right. Mm-hmm. So... Cop out. Yeah, yeah, excuses, barriers. When I I hear that from people, I go, you know, you're probably right. Mm -hmm. And that's where people get that attitude. You're not ready. Come on back when you're ready. But sometimes they might be ready at that moment. Well, sometimes there's no coming back, right? Especially in today's game, Mm -hmm. the way the drugs are out there. It's like, listen, there might not be a next time. Mm -hmm. We got to do everything that we can now, right? And that's, you know, that's it's a... The the industry, the business of treatment centers right now are going through a change and about to, I feel like, get punched in the mouth. Well, yeah, they're, getting, they're getting punched in Florida. They're getting punched in yeah. like class action yeah. suits. And, and and it should. Yeah. It, it, it's probably overdue mm-hmm. in, in many regards. But it, it's interesting that you bring up this 95% failure rate mm-hmm. on treatment that is, quote unquote, evidence-based, largely. Right, most treatment centers are evidence based. Ninety five percent failure rate. It's like we need to think outside the box. We need to do some stuff that maybe hasn't been done before. 
We need to innovate. We need to recreate. We need to take what's working, social model, right? Been working for a long time, right? 12-step work has been proven to, to be effective, you know? Take some stuff that's been working, implement that, get rid of the shit that's not working, and try mm-hmm. some new stuff. Well, you know, that. what's that great saying about the definition of insanity? Do what you've always done. You get what you've always gotten. Keep doing the same oh, thing yeah. over and over again. You get the same results. So, of course. you know, we don't have to reinvent the common sense barometer. Right. You know? right. And to your point, not only is it treatment, that you know, there's sober livings out there today uh, that aren't operating ethically. And there are... That could be a whole nother show. Oh, absolutely. And and the thing Ethics. is, you know, one of the things that I'm working hard with, and I know you guys are involved with our, our SOAP group, the yeah. Society of Addiction Professionals, is we're trying to get like-minded people who want to be involved with the real process. Yes. And, you know, yeah. and, there is no 30, 60, 90 day fix. This is a lifetime transformational change. The yeah. average person is not going to be able to do this alone. And people are going to call, well, I did it on my own. Mm-hmm. Well, if you lived in the mountains and you had no choice <laughs> and people you don't get along with, then it worked for you. Great. Right, you know what? Yeah. I want to hear more about that because I want to share that with others yeah. to your point. And you know, people talk about the steps all the time and I'm at a point and my knee hurts sometimes. So I joke and I say, I don't, I don't necessarily take the steps. Sometimes I take the elevator. Yeah. You know, because well, yeah, you I've gotta, heard you say that before. Yeah, well, and because it works for me and what I did for me may not work for you. And I want to be able to try to meet you wherever you're at and figure out what we can figure out. Well, yeah. And you don't really get a vote, but you have a say. Yeah. You know, well, your vote, I don't want to do this. Well, I know you don't. But if you're sitting here and we're in my treatment center and we're talking about what's happened the last couple months in your home, the odds are we may want to take a different perspective than yours yeah. to look at options and opportunities. You know, uh, a funny thing that I was describing the other day, um, in, as far as our treatment, kind of what we do in our own program, which is very different and innovative. Well, and, you know, and new. Tell, tell me when you say that because you've said that a couple times, and you know, you've you've got your partner here looking at his watch. So does he have time to tell us what that means? He's got a quick minute. Yeah. God. So what I mean by and that it's your is, show. yeah, it is. <laughs> so uh, we are dealing with the younger population who have. Uh, what do you com- mean young? What's that mean? No, eighteen to twenty-five. Okay. They have their own set of unique issues, problems, roadblocks, challenges, mm-hmm. and one of those is they don't necessarily want to take the medication as prescribed, right? So <laughs> I was comparing it the other day to when you give a dog medication, right? They don't want to take it either, but you lather it up with peanut butter or you stick it in a, a jerky stick, right? And they mm-hmm. eat it. So sometimes for our treatment, we got to lather it with peanut butter, make it attractive and trick them into eating it, mm-hmm. you know? And we've kind of done that, right? We have a... I, I'd like to come by and watch that happen. I think that would be fun to. Well, it happens on a daily basis, yeah. right? We yeah, are yeah. witnessing. Not like peanut butter. So. We we are witnessing people recover, have tremendous breakthroughs. Yeah. By prescribing them a different type of. Oh, you talk about medication assisted fl- treatment, right? No. MAT. No, no, no. no we, we tell me do what that. you mean then. We don't do that. Um, what I mean is, we are attacking um, addiction. From a unique angle, we are focusing on a personal development, emotional intelligence, uh, uh, breakthrough, kind of inspire, inspire, inspiring yeah, yeah, yeah. approach. Rather than let's focus on your past and try to recover from your past, like just view your past, accept that it happened, but like let's focus more on what your future is. What are you going to do? What are you committed to creating? So the baseline for what you do is what's happening right now in real time in front of them. Well, and what do you want? Yeah. Like, what what and, do you and, want? And that being our biggest 
is what is your vision mm -hmm. and creating a vision for your life that is so dope and so awesome that you wake up on a regular basis excited to participate in life. So let's take 30 seconds. I want to break down this. Yeah. when you talk about vision for your life. When somebody who maybe has never experienced a, a, a vision for their life, yeah. how do you break that down? How do you explain to them what that might look like? Well, we, I mean, the first question is, what do you want? Nine out of 10 times, it's, I don't know. It's like, cool. First of all, that's okay. Not knowing is okay. Let's try to figure out what you like. First of all, what kind of things do you like? Well, I don't know what I like. All right, let's do some things then. Exposure. Let's try some things. Okay. Let's yeah. go out and experience life. And then from that, you can pick and choose what you like, right? And then based on that, let's develop a long-term plan that you think that you might be excited for. I asked you that question because a long time ago when I ran my nonprofit, there was a situation that came up on a daily basis. Why aren't we sending this person back to school? Mm. So, you know, one day we had a teacher come in and go, you need to go back to school. And one of the guys had done a lot of time in, in state prison came up to me afterwards. He says, you know, Scott, I have no idea how to go back to school. Right. So we set up a mentoring program and we showed people how to actually go to Mesa College, how to get off the bus, where to stop. And we did a little video and we used it as a training piece. And all of a sudden people are like, I want to go back to school. I didn't realize that's all you have to do. Right. So right. that's why I ask about the vision because yeah. there are yeah. people, you say things to them and they're like, especially young people. Well, you got to show them. Yeah. That's yeah. What, that's you got to show them. No, it's so, great. Anyway. It's a great concept. And Thank you. Know, you. And we'll know. We'll know Thank more you. when you get your evidence. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we will. And, and that's part of the whole process, right? Yeah, and at the end of the day, like by the time we get our evidence and we can prove that it's working, like it won't work, and we'll have to re, you know, reevaluate and and create something new. Not nothing. But wrong with for that. the for that's the, what that's what's called progress. And, exactly. And that's what's called human, you know, beings. Exactly. And love by this. then, your corn rolls have grown out, and we'll see. Lo what we can love do. this guy. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, man. Love having you on. Appreciate you. Those tuned in, thank you. And you can call Scott. You can hit him up on Instagram, Facebook. You can go to his website. Or LinkedIn, I think I'm on there as well. Or LinkedIn. There Damn, go. he's everywhere. Or Google hit him me. up. Yeah. Hit him up. I he, dare you to call me. Yeah, do it. Do it. This man is incredible, and he is here to serve and to help. Yes. So please reach out. And again, thank you so much. We're going to have you on a third time. I just know it's going to happen. Shut up. I'm going to So that. I appreciate it. And <laughs> How long did I have to beg to get back here? <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> thank you, guys. And thanks for all the great work you do. Of course, man. Really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. Thank you, y'all. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of Sober, Sober Life, Life Audio, Audio Experience. Experience. Bye.